want to talk this morning on the subject, faith without works is dead. Now, that's not, a no, that's not novel with me, obviously. You've probably heard that statement many times because it's a passage in the Bible. But what does it mean? What does it mean to talk about doing, having faith and doing nothing with it? Saying, is that a belief? Is faith something that I just wish for? Is it just a hope inside of me? Is it something I pray for one moment and then a doubt the next moment? Is faith this euphoric feeling that I get whenever I'm on a spiritual high and I say, you know, I've released my faith and then the next day I'm down in the dumps again. So how do we keep faith high enough to get a breakthrough? Does anybody need a breakthrough this morning? I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the right crowd this morning. I'm going to be the first to raise my hand. So if you need a breakthrough, just raise your hand, right? Right now, all over the room, you need to, in, in any area of your life, it doesn't matter what it is. So how do we keep our faith strong enough to take us all the way to the breakthrough? I want to start in the book of James chapter 2, the book of James chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. But do you know, O foolish man, or uh, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So it's a question. It's saying, are you are you questioning that that you don't have to put works with your faith? That's what he's saying. Because the question was posed to James that we don't need works; we just need faith. All we have to do is just believe, and we don't have to do anything about it. All we have to do is believe. And so he said, really, is that what you think? So he's asking them this question. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he, when he offered Isaac as his son on the altar? So Abraham did something with his faith. He said, do you see that the faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? Now, that's the statement I want you to see. By works, faith was made perfect. Doesn't mean that I don't have this belief in my heart, but it's not until I do something that it actually activates my faith. Remember how the Apostle Paul said, stir up the faith that's in you. Remember that? And he also said, stir up the gifts that are in you. Sometimes you have to stir things up inside of you. Now listen to verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not just by faith only. So what he's saying in this is that there, there are times that God calls upon us to go to a higher level of faith, and the only way to do that is to put faith in action. Say that phrase with me, faith in action. Faith in action. See, I understand faith is a substance of things hoped for, but it's got to be, but understand there's two words in there. There's the word hope, which is here, and there's the word substance, which is tangible. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So it doesn't just mean that I'm hoping I did something. I have a token of my faith. I have an act of my faith. I have a seed of my faith. My, the faith is a substance of things hoped for. I'm hoping here, but I'm doing something with substance around me. So today I want to talk about speaking into your faith. And I also want to talk about doing something that brings your faith into action. Let me start with a story. Um, I don't know how many of you know of G uh, John Kilpatrick, who was the pastor of the Brownsville Revival, an Assembly of God pastor in Pensacola, Florida. I don't know, maybe you went down to Brownsville Revival. When he built his big sanctuary, he loves an orchestra, and he had them to change the architectural plans and put a big orchestra pit right here in the middle of the stage behind him. 
and um, because he was believing God for an orchestra. Now, when he changed the plans, it cost him a lot of extra money. I think he said $100,000 more to move everything around, shift the stage around, and put that big orchestra pit in there. Now, he knew that his church had a lot of musicians in there, but he kept asking for volunteers. You know, if you play an instrument, you want to come, and no one ever came. So it came dedication morning, and he dedicated his new church to the Lord, and John is the one who told me this story. He said that he was so depressed. He said the building was packed. He said everyone came, but the orchestra pit was empty. And all he could see is that expensive hole in the stage that he had built, and he could not see thousands of people sitting out here in a packed auditorium. All he could see is failure. And he felt so, he said, I was so depressed on opening day, not because the service wasn't great, not because the people weren't there, but because I had to stand in front of my failure. And every day I looked at that hole in the ground that I fought for and I spent extra money for and I was advised against, but I wanted that orchestra pit in the middle of it. And John went into a kind of a, a depression for months over this hole because he couldn't get away from it. I mean, it's a huge hole in the middle of the stage. No one was in it, and he had to walk by it every Sunday and preach, and he, it just worked on him. Have you ever had something like that work on your head? You know, and it just worked on him to the point that he didn't think he was ever going to be able to move past that. So one day he went to the Lord in fasting and praying. He said, Lord, I don't understand this. I really felt like this was you. And the Lord said to John, well, you know what? I could bless it if you would stop cursing it. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I can't, I can't bless it because you keep cursing it. Every time you walk by it, you curse it. Every time you refer to it, you curse it. Every time you speak about it, you curse it. All you've talked about is how expensive it is and how you failed. You've never once asked me to bless it. He said, John, if you will stop cursing it and start blessing it, then I can do something with that hole in, that hole in the stage behind you. And John said that he would go over there. He didn't want anybody to see him. He would go over there in his, uh, in his PJs late at night and his jogging pants. You know, he'd go over there and he'd speak to that hole in the ground. He'd say, hole in the ground or hole. He said, orchestra pit. One day you're going to be filled with musicians. Orchestra pit. I speak life into you. One of these days. There's gonna, and he started naming the instruments. There's going to be French horns and there's going to be guitars. And one of these days, orchestra pit, there's going to be all these trumpet players and musicians in you. And he said he went back to church the next morning. It was still empty. He did this for three months. It was still empty. He did this for six months. Every Saturday night was his practice. He would go and speak in orchestra pit. You are going to bring glory to God. You're going to bring honor to the Lord. You're going to be filled up and musicians from around the world are going to be blessed by you. You are going to be, you're going to bring glory to God. And he refused to say anything negative about it and just started speaking life over this orchestra pit. He said that he got a call one day from a guy that was in the military that used to attend his church at, when John was pastoring a different church. And he said, Pastor John, he said, listen, I'm retiring from the military. I can move anywhere I want. And I just loved you as my pastor. So I think I'm going to move to Pensacola. He said, by the way, since I've been in the military, I started playing the trumpet. Do you guys happen to have an orchestra? He said, oh, man, we got the best orchestra pit you have ever seen in your life. He said, don't you get on that plane. He said, forget your suitcase, but don't you forget that trumpet. 
trumpet. He said, you show up with that trumpet when you get here. And this military guy moved from overseas to Pensacola, Florida, and he got in that orchestra pit all by himself with a trumpet. And this military guy who wasn't intimidated by anything gets in this orchestra pit and starts playing that trumpet. And every Saturday night, John kept speaking life into it, speaking life. He said, before you know it, somebody joined that trumpet player and another person joined that person. He said it took two years, but in two years time, there were a hundred musicians in that orchestra pit for the glory of God because he kept speaking life instead of death and he put some action behind his faith. Sometimes we have to do something, not just feel something. Sometimes it's not, an, it's not a euphoric high that we need in a moment of release, but it's an action that God is looking for in our life. You have to remember that God created this world with words. God spoke, let there be light. And when God created the world with words, he gave you and I the same creative ability. God said, let there be light and everything to begin to form. How do you form a company with words? Before you make anything, you cast vision. You, you form a company with words. How do you form a marriage? It starts with words. It starts, dating starts with words. Marriage is held together. Marriages are destroyed by words or marriages are built up by words. How do you ruin the lives of your own children? With words. You can either encourage them or you can discourage them. You can either make them feel like the most courageous person that, they, that you've ever met or the most discouraged. You can weaken them by constantly battering them and, and taking them their courage away from them, which is what discouragement means. You build a nation with words. Every culture has words they use that other people don't use. You know, I had 500 Italians in, in St. Louis and and in uh, our church, and the Italians just had phrases that no one else ever used. They love to talk fast. They love to talk with their hands. All of my Hispanics, they all talk different. The Nigerians there, they had phrases. They did things that no one else did. Everywhere in our church, there was people that were defined by Yes, we had our church family culture, but within their culture, it was defined by things they said that no one else ever said, and it created an expectation. It cre when you remove people from their culture, it's difficult to maintain that culture. So even people that are in different cultures, they get together and they, 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 they practice their cultural experience to keep it alive from generation to generation. Even vision can it all is, that's how you build anything. You build a church with words. Everything in the world is built with words. Maybe that's why the Lord said to Job, you need to get out of this. He said, I realize what you're in. I see it. The devil has taken everything. He's taken your business. He's taken your family. He's taken your health. You want to get out of this? So this is what the Lord said to Job and Job 22. So remember, this is after all this stuff is going on. We're toward the end of the book of the Job. The, the end of the book of Job. The Lord said to Job, okay, you can get out of this, but this is what you have to do. You shall declare a thing and it shall be established for you. Wow, now there's a verse to put on your refrigerator. You shall declare a thing and it shall be established for you so light will shine on your ways and when they they, not God, when they cast you down, you will say exaltation is coming. 
Yeah, let your friends say whatever they want to say. You're going to say back to them, no, exaltation is coming. Job, you need to curse God and die. No, 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 no. Exaltation is coming. Job, you've lost everything. God must be mad at you. No, 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 no. Exaltation is coming. God said, it doesn't matter what they say. You say exaltation is coming. You declare it, and I will establish it. I don't care what it looks like. You keep speaking life into it. I don't care what it feels like. You keep speaking life into it I don't care what I don't care if it's small you speak life into it if it looks dead keep speaking life into it until let you establish it you declare it and I will establish it I want to ask you something is God giving you everything that comes out of your mouth good or bad what if that is how it works what if God can't bless us because we curse ourselves too much what if God can't bless our finances because we curse it too much what if God can't bless our home because we curse it too much? What if God can't bless our family because we curse it too much? What if God is giving you everything that comes out of your mouth? Maybe if you can change your words, you can change your life. Maybe you can start saying exaltation is coming. I know where you are today, but exaltation is coming. Yes, I know that my son and daughter are not serving the Lord, but the book of Joel tells me that my sons and daughters daughters are going to prophesy and I declare that over them. I know my kids have forsaken everything I've ever taught them but Isaiah 54 and 13 says my children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to tell you what they're doing. I'm going to tell you my children are going to be taught by the Lord. They're not going to be taught by the university. They're not going to be taught by the government. They're not going to be taught by TikTok. They're not going to be taught by everything. They're not going to be taught by their professors. No, 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 no. I know all those people are speaking, but I declare over them that my children will go to the classroom of God. He will give them the teachers they need, and my children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. That's what I'm going to say. Great shall be the peace of my children. Oh, I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like. When they cast you down, you say exaltation is coming hallelujah that is why proverbs 18 and 21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue death and life you can either speak life over something or you can speak death over something and can i tell you something pentecostals can i tell you something spirit-filled believers we cannot start walking by faith until we start talking by faith you can tell me all day long how holy you you are but the words of your mouth are creating the words around you start speaking faith start speaking the word start speaking the power of God over your life if you don't say it it can't live if you don't start speaking it it cannot it, it cannot have the life that you hope in your heart that it will have thank you so much for supporting our ministry if this has blessed you please say a prayer for us and if you would like to give we have four ways that you can do that you can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. 
Dr. Mike Baker, who's the president of the Pentecostal Theological Seminary for the Church of God, many years ago was diagnosed with cancer. And it was not a good diagnosis at all. And Mike and Sharon have one daughter. And uh, their daughter said, Dad, we're not, you're not going to go down this way. You've served God your whole life. You're not going to go down this way. And so their daughter went around their house and took post-it notes and just started writing scriptures all over the house. She put them on his bathroom mirror. She put them underneath the visor of his car. Mike said literally everywhere he went, there was a, a post-it note with a scripture. And she made him promise, Daddy, every time you see that, you're going to say it out loud. I know what the doctor said. I know what the report said. But every time you read a scripture, you're going to say it out loud. Will you make that promise? Mike made the promise. He'd go to his car, pull down the visor. On that day, there's a scripture. The next day, a different scripture would be up there. I mean, she was so, she was so militant with this. He would go to shave, and there was a scripture on the, on the, on the window. He would open it on the mirror. He would go to, to, um, to open his briefcase at the office. There were scriptures in his briefcase. Open his Bible scriptures in these little post-it notes. He would go into the bathroom of his office, and she had them on the backs of the door. And Mike had to make a promise that he started speaking these scriptures out loud every time he went three months went by and she is posting scriptures every day she's in her word she's writing them out he went back to the doctor and the doctor said listen I, I don't have any explanation for this I don't know what you're doing but whatever you're doing you need to keep doing it because I'm seeing this tumor shrink I don't you have you we have not given you anything to cause this to happen but something is happening inside of your body whatever you're drinking whatever you're eating he said I'm telling you it's not just what I'm drinking it's not just what I'm eating it's what I'm saying because I'm speaking to my body that you're going to be well that you're going to be healed and he did this for another three months and after about eight months of doing this he went to the doctor and the doctor said you don't need to come back anymore I can't explain this anyway you didn't have the surgery you didn't get the you didn't get the chemo I can't explain this but there is no more cancer in your body and you don't need to return anymore because whatever you did was working the power of life and death is in the tongue can you give God praise in his house this morning that's why Psalm 107 and, and, and 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who has redeemed. Listen to the rest of that verse. Who has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Ooh, let me just shout right there for a moment. Anybody ever been in the hand of an enemy? Have anybody ever been redeemed from the hand of an enemy? Raise your hand if you have. I've been redeemed. God pulled me out of the clutches from somebody who thought they were after me. They thought they had me but God pulled me from the clutches he said let the redeemed of the Lord say so can I tell you something if you're ever going to get out of debt you got to say so you look at your checkbook and that zero balance or that negative balance or whatever it is at the end of the month you look at that stack of bills and you start saying exaltation is coming you start speaking over those bills you stack them up and instead of going and popping a Tylenol and getting depressed and sitting out on the back porch and crying yourself to sleep why don't you stack that up and put a bible on top of it and say in the name of Jesus I don't know when I don't know how but he's done it before and he'll do it again I don't know where it's coming from I don't know who he's going to use to bless me but one of these things I know is that God will not leave me in the hand of dead God will pull me from 
from the clutches and save me. If you're believing to get married, then you start saying that over yourself. When you get to the mirror, don't say, nobody wants somebody like me. No, you get to say, listen, I'm going to make somebody so happy. Woo! When they get a hold of this, they're going to smile for years when they get a hold of all of God is doing inside of me. You just wait because some of God is preparing somebody right now in my life. And when they get all of this stuff that God is doing in me, God is getting me ready for what he has ready for me. And he's got somebody. If you start talking like that, you start believing that, you start saying that. You can't just say, well, you know, all my friends that got married and I'm always a bridesmaid and never a bride. No! Stop talking like that. You start speaking life over yourself. You are not forsaken. You are not cast down. You are not destroyed. You are still on the potter's will and God is making you into something amazing. You want a better job? You don't like the job you have? Quit complaining about it. Start calling in a new one. Start speaking in a new one. Call in the promotion speak in the promotion father i see myself in a different desk you know i don't have to covet my boss's job but god whether it's here or there wherever it's going to be you are going to promote me because your word said that promotion comes from the lord and god you said that you exalt kings and you knock down kings well god if you can exalt kings you can certainly make me a manager god i'm believing that in jesus name i'm declaring that in jesus name if you got a broom and you hand right now that's okay you keep sweeping and declaring you keep sweeping and saying in the name of Jesus I'll not have this dust rag in my hand forever but one of these days somebody will come and empty the trash out of my office because I'm declaring that in Jesus name I am speaking life instead of death whatever you're needing from God you need that scholarship start claiming it start saying it start believing it let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You've been bought with a price. You, you can declare something and God will establish it because Jesus has already paid for it. Hallelujah. If you believe that, give God praise in his house. Some of you are held back because of demonic oppression in your life. I want to tell you, Jesus has already made a public spectacle over every demon and put them under your feet. They're already under your feet. Dance on the grave of the enemy. I don't know if anybody around here has ever heard that old Lanny Wolf song, I'm Dancing on the Grave of My Enemy. Somebody needs to pull that one back out. I'll tell you, that is a dancing song. If I've ever heard it, I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. I'm not, I don't want to make these musicians nervous. But I love the idea of just dancing on the grave of an enemy. I love the concept that says, listen, you thought you had me, but God has turned it around what you meant for harm. God has turned it for my good. And now that's why he said, if you've been delivered, you need to start talking. You need to start testifying. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who's been pulled from the hand of an enemy. If God's ever pulled you from an enemy, don't you stop telling that story. Don't you stop testifying. Whoever you 
you meet, say, let me tell you what God has done for me. Oh, let me tell you a time that I didn't think I was going to make it, but the good hand of God, that's what Nehemiah said, but the good hand of God was upon me. And when the good hand of God is upon me, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Whatever I need to do in that moment, God is with me. If God has ever delivered you, how dare you keep your mouth shut? How dare you sit there and sulk? How dare you stop worshiping? How dare you stop going to prayer meeting? How dare you stop tithing? No, 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 no. If God has pulled you from the clutches of an enemy, the redeemed of the Lord need to say so. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.